0: Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the third Sunday in the Lenten season. Our order of service is printed in our bulletins. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 920, Christ is Made the Sure Foundation. It's hymn 531 in the Red Book. in the name of the Father,
1: and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the
0: Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a
1: sinner. Lord, have mercy.
0: God who searches the heart. Do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for this third Sunday in Lent is from Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 17. We're going to look at verses 1 to 6 as the basis of our meditation today. So right now I'm going to share with you verses 7 to 17. This is, well, the first section has the introduction to the commandments and the first commandment. This section begins with the second commandment through the the tenth commandments. The second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother that it so that it you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. This reading talks about how the gospel is a stumbling block and foolishness to to unbelievers but to believers it's the power and wisdom of god paul wrote jews demand miraculous signs and greeks look for wisdom but we preach christ crucified a stumbling block to jews and foolishness to gentiles but to those whom god has called both jews and greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And of course in that last portion when it talks about the foolishness of God, God has no foolishness and and well God has no weakness but God's wisdom and his strength is so far superior to ours, and that's the point of that verse. Alleluia. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Alleluia.
1: Alleluia.
0: reading is from John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22, reading which talks about the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he cleansed the temple of the the money changers there. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables. Exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple... He was taught, he had spoken of, was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. We'll sing our next hymn. That's hymn number 612, 256 in the Red Book how great thou art. Purifies us from all sin. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this third Sunday in Lent is our Old Testament reading, the beginning of that reading. We'll look now at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. And God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My... Dear fellow Christians whom our Lord has freed from the slavery of sin, many, well, many years ago, there was a TV commercial which began with a close-up of this gentleman that people wouldn't regularly recognize. He acknowledged that by saying You probably don't know me. I created the Muppets. And then what happened is that the background suddenly came alive with all of these furry creatures, including Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, who in unison, well, all of the Muppets said, big deal, that he was Jim Henson, that he'd created the Muppets. The man continued by saying, Everyone knows them, but nobody knows me. That's why wherever I go, I carry my American Express credit card. And at that point, the name Jim Henson, he died back in 1990, hardly seems it's possible that long ago, but he died back then. His name popped up, was visually typed on the TV screen, that TV commercial kind of mirrors for us Christians a lot more than was intended by the commercial if you think about it from a a spiritual viewpoint. It reminds us that like Jim Henson, the Muppets creator, our creator sometimes is seldom getting the Recognition that he deserves as our creator, as our loving God, as the God who wins for us eternal salvation, sometimes he gets overlooked, even more so than Jim Henson was overlooked and forgotten. Sometimes he's overlooked that people, well, what people tend to do is they tend to think more of themselves and of God's creation than they think of the Creator Himself. Through our reading, though, we're hearing that that's not what God wants and that's not what should be. He reminds us here that our God is a jealous God. And when we hear that term, we usually think of jealousy as being a bad characteristic. But here, this is a good characteristic of our God that God rightfully can be jealous of well he's jealous of our trust he's jealous of our fear and he's jealous of our love and he rightfully deserves all of those things because he is the amazing God that he is the Israelites they came to Mount Sinai. That's the setting for our reading for today. They came to Mount Sinai three months after God had freed them from their slavery in Egypt. After they had left that land, finally were heading to the promised land. From that mountain, what God would do is he would give his chosen people those special laws those special laws that would govern their religious lives, their governmental lives, lives as citizens, and then also their moral lives. However, before God gave them those laws, He did two things. The first thing that He did is He gave the Israelites this promise. He said to them, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. And with that statement, what he was saying is, hey, I want you to be faithful to me. You're my people. I want you to be faithful to me. And altogether, the people responded to that promise by saying, we will do everything the Lord has said. And then what God did is he reminded the Israelites of everything that he had already done for them in the past. Our our reading says, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God's words, they were just some beautiful words of his divine grace for his people He told them that he was their God, the same God who had told Moses before this, told Moses that he had seen the suffering and the troubles that the Israelites were facing in Egypt, and he had also told Moses that he was going to step in and he was going to rescue them from their slavery. And he was going to ultimately bring them back to the promised land of Palestine. And, well, God's words to Moses, God's promise to the people, can kind of remind us of the words that were first spoken, oh, about 400 years before this, to the Old Testament patriarch Jacob. As he and his family were moving to Egypt in the first place, God had said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. God was reminding the Israelites that he always keeps his promises, Even though the Israelites repeatedly grumbled and complained and even rebelled against God, God nevertheless kept his promises to them. He kept his word because of the way Israel treated the Lord, on the other hand, grumbling, complaining, rebelling against him, God had every reason to abandon or to neglect them. Nevertheless, he kept his word. He would have had every right to leave them in Egypt or to abandon them out in the wilderness. But when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And that theme is in the scriptures over and over again. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. Oh, we can especially think of the promise that God made to to Abraham many years before when he said, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we've heard that verse repeatedly recently where what he's saying, all peoples on earth would be blessed through Abraham because one of Abraham's descendants would be Jesus the Savior And all peoples on earth would be blessed through Jesus the Savior because he would go to the cross, he would suffer and die there and pay for the sins of all people whether or not they believe in him. All people would have that blessing. The tragic thing is is that some people reject the blessing what Jesus won for all. When God reminded the Israelites that he was always faithful to his promise. He was, through this, also encouraging his people to always be faithful to him. To always be faithful to him because God is jealous of our just. He rightly does deserve our trust, our believing in him. He wants us to always trust in him because he's always faithful and no no one, nothing can be more faithful than our God is. He, He deserves our complete and wholehearted trust for that matter. But the fact is, is that we're pretty much like the Israelites. We too tend to grumble and complain and even to rebel against God. When things don't go just the way we would want them to go, we tend to grumble and complain and even rebel against God. Oh, earlier I shared the second through the tenth commandments with you and those commandments, well, the first commandment as well, what all of those commandments should do is remind us of our sinfulness remind us that we're in the same boat as the israelites that we grumble complain that we rebel against god that we sin against god not only with our deeds but also with our words and even with our thoughts and again what we'd have to say is god would have every right to abandon us but But God doesn't abandon us. He doesn't even neglect us or look away from us. He's always there for us. And if it seems as if God has abandoned us, it's not that God has done that. It's that we've abandoned or turned away from him. He'll never abandon us. He'll never neglect us. When those times come in our lives when we wonder why things are happening as they are in our lives... You know, it's always that God is working for our eternal good. He's looking out for our eternal benefit, for our eternal souls, getting us directed to our eternal home in heaven. So instead of grumbling and complaining and even rebelling against God, let's let's join that Old Testament believer Job in saying, God knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. God is jealous of our trust, and and he most certainly does deserve our trust. As he told Jacob in last week's Old Testament reading, so he also says to you and to me, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God is faithful. May God help us also to be faithful to him. Oh, that scene at Mount Sinai, we've referenced that scene a number of times recently. It was an awesome scene, an awesome spectacle. It tells us that the Lord descended on that mountain with fire there was smoke there was the mountain trembling there was thunder and there was lightning God's purpose behind all all of that was to put the fear of the Lord in his people to remind them that he is holy and that he hates sin and well the The fact of the matter is, is that we have to recognize that there's that seems always growing tendency in our world to try to forget that God hates sin, to think that God doesn't care how we live, that we can live any way we want. God's this tolerant God. Well, God hates sin. That's a fact. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And the key words there would be those words of those who hate me. God most certainly will punish those who hate him, who reject his grace and mercy, who by their lives are really looking at God and, well, spiritually speaking, we could say spitting in his face and saying, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do and you, who cares? What can you do to me? Kind of a foolish attitude to have. But see now, even to the person who would say that or by his life be saying that to God, God doesn't want to punish even that person. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. But our Savior did say, whoever does not believe will be condemned. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Anyone who rejects our God, who rejects Christ, we'll be spending an eternity in the torments of hell. That is a fact, but it doesn't have to be that way. Now, therefore, when, when God says he's a jealous God, he is jealous of our fear, but he doesn't really want us to be scared to death of him. He wants us to fear, that is, to respect him for who he is and to recognize, well, yeah, he's this gracious God who wants to forgive, who doesn't want to punish, but he will condemn unbelievers to hell. So when God says to us, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them, or worship them." When we hear God saying that to us, we're going to want to look at ourselves, to see if we have set up other gods in our life. And that doesn't mean there has to be a stone or a wooden idol in our homes. There are other things that could also be our gods. Well now, what are our priorities are we always looking for ways to devote ourselves more to God and His Word and to prayer or are we devoting ourselves more and more to earthly pleasures and treasures even if those things aren't wrong in and of themselves and is our focus going away from God and toward those things do we work so much? Do we spend so much time with family? Do we spend so much time in front of TVs or computers or cell phones or in other activities that mean that God is getting short changed? As I ask those questions, we'll all have to have consciences that are pricking us a bit because it's so easy to put God on the back shelf, to say we're too busy to God, to get caught up in the rat race of this world and say there's just not time for God. But remember, Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Remember, Our Savior wasn't too busy to save you from your sins. Our Savior wasn't too busy to go to the cross. And our Savior isn't too busy to watch out for us and look out for us right now. He never slumbers nor sleeps, he's always watching out. For us so don't you be so busy that you don't have time to devote yourself to the Lord and if you say you're too busy for the Lord then something's wrong and you need to change that you need to change that because Jesus says seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness our Savior wants that to be our priority in life. And see now, when that's the case, then we're going to enjoy the greatest blessings in this life. And it makes sense to the believer to put God in the first place because of how much God loves us and has done for us and keeps on doing for us. Martin Luther's meaning to the first commandment says, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And now we've seen that our God is jealous of our trust and of our fear. And God concludes our reading by reminding us that he's also jealous of our love. He's jealous of our love. God does punish those who reject him, but he also says, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God wants us to love him, to express that love. He wants us to work at following his will to say, my Savior, He's done so much for me. He gave his life for me. He went through hell for me. How could I want to do anything that would be contrary to what pleases him? May the love which God has given to us motivate us to love him and work at following his will. Certain tribesmen in in the Congo of Africa view this one particular idol as their spiritual father and it's kind of interesting how they treat that idol. Greatly revered, that image is kept hidden in a deep pit. Missionaries found out that those primitive people They were afraid to take that idol up, draw it up to the surface. For they cried out, if we look on the face of our father, we will die. You know, that's the way it is with non-Christian gods or false gods. How different our position is with our God as believing children of God. Because of Jesus. Because of what he's done for us, we want to look at our Heavenly Father. We want to be with him because of Jesus. We know that our Father loves us and he wants us to be with him forever in heaven. Our God is a jealous God. He's jealous of our trust, of our fear, and of our love. He does want us to be and he does deserve to be number one in our lives but remember he loves you with the greatest love that this world has ever or will ever see the love this love for us it just keeps on reminding you and me that as far as our God is concerned, you and I are God's number one priority. What an amazing love our Heavenly Father has for sinners like you and me. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, look with favor on your humble servants and stretch out the right hand of your power to defend us against all our enemies. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In our prayers today, we, we continue to keep Paula Burris dealing with, it seems like increasingly great greater problems with her legs and the infection that's dealing there, uh, dealing with her there. We keep in our prayers, of course, Diane Kennedy still dealing with back issues and, and uh, probably the effects of a, a minor stroke. And we think of Karen Ripley who had been hospitalized. And, and we also think of Tony Alfaro following his bout with pancreatitis, having his gallbladder removed and other issues. Lord God, as we, as they, and as we deal with different problems and troubles in this life, we, we ask you if it's your will, grant us healing. But always grant us that, that knowledge that in all things in our lives, you're working for our eternal good please always keep on doing what's best for us and our eternal souls. Help us always to remember the amazingly great love that you have for us, that love that we see in Jesus living and dying for us and paying for all of our sins and help us to give you the trust, the fear, the love, that you rightfully deserve because you have loved us so. We gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's. Join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless
1: America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home. Sweet home, God bless America, my home, sweet home.
0: Thank you again for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements to share with you. Today is David Kunkel and also Eric Kunkel's birthdays. Tuesday, Brett Harrell has a birthday. Wednesday, we have our fourth midweek Lenten service. 6.30, Pastor Joel Talbert from Shepherd of the Hills will be here. He'll be talking about God on trial and the subject of truth. The service is at 6.30. Before the service at 5.30, we have our usual potluck. I'll be here for the beginning of that and then heading off to, to Shepherd of the Hills in Lansing.
1: Friday is Caitlin
0: Greathouse's birthday. Saturday, Josh Christmas's birthday. And Saturday is also that day that we don't really look forward too much because it's the, well let's see, is that the beginning or the end of Daylight Savings Time? I guess it's the end of it and we spring forward one hour so you lose an hour of sleep on Saturday night. Remember to change your clocks before going to bed and uh, we'll hope to see you Sunday that Sunday for worship. Again thank you for joining me for worship today. I told you already about the main folks dealing with different illnesses. Please keep them in your prayers. The Lord bless
1: and keep you always. Amen.